Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. So today we're going to be focusing on how to sell the impossible to sell listing. Now, some of you don't have any listings and I get that. There's tens of thousands of you that listen to this podcast every single day, but save these notes because you can use them for many different, uh, you know, many different ways. For example, maybe you're going on a listing appointment uh, this weekend and maybe the, the market where you're going to be going the listing appointment it's a little bit tough, as we're going to be discussing in a second. Maybe you happened to cross an expired listing because you were smart enough to call them, and now you're wanting to show this seller what you're actually going to be doing to get this, the listing sold. Open your mind, and uh, obviously, this is specifically designed for those of you who have the impossible to sell listing, because Julie, that is a common theme that of uh, calls that we're getting and messages on Instagram and whatever. People that are just agents that are just completely beside themselves because they can't seem to sell a listing that maybe a year ago would have sold, uh, you know, 20, instantaneously. Instantaneously with yeah. 20 different offers. Yes, and they're stymied by uh, trying to figure out how to have these conversations with sellers. What are you supposed to talk about? How are you supposed to diagnose what is actually going on well, don't with you it not think, being sold? But don't you think that's the heart of what the problem is, is not knowing how to tell sellers bad news? or For sure. They, it's lack of bedside manner. Yeah, and it's you know unfamiliarity with having bad news in real estate versus here's 20 offers, choose one. Do you remember um, our first, so, you know, you and I have been in the business for ever, ever, right? Three decades. And our first year in the business, we sold over a hundred homes. Do you remember the listing appointment that we went on? I'll just say our first name, not the second. Hazel is our first name. You remember? Yeah. Okay. So she had a really funky modern condo. We loved, but evidently nobody else did. It was cool. <laughs> and, yeah. it, it, and this thing had expired with her uh, previous listing agent who'd sold it to her. And it's, I believe it had expired twice. And then when Julie and I ran the history of it, this thing had always been a tough sell. Very, very modern. And, you know, again, something very different for that a particular community. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem that she had, obviously, wasn't location. And condition couldn't have been fixed because, you know, it... It was modern in an area where everything else wasn't was I would say colonial and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was weird, but the thing that she could actually have a positive effect on was the price. But her previous listing agent did not know how to get her to lower the price. Did not have the scripts. Did not have the skill set. But mostly did not not did not really have the mindset how to essentially go to um, Hazel and have a hard conversation with her. Which, by the way, when we did do it, did result in a lot of emotions. And she did cry, and it was an uncomfortable situation. Yes, but it was also necessary because she had to sell the property. That's the hard part in a market like this, learning how to have the skill set, knowing what to say and how to say it. Because the impossible hard to sell listings and those super hard conversations, on the other side of that is where you're going to start creating a lot of market dominance for yourself and success because other agents aren't willing or frankly aren't able to have those conversations. Exactly. Your best marketing is that for sale sign. Well, well, I'm sorry, the sold sign. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So how to sell the impossible listing. Here's the secret. And Tim just mentioned this. There is no magical marketing plan, idea, campaign, or video that will turn an overpriced, tough to sell listing into a sold. So stop looking for a miracle and sharpen your skills. The object is to be the listing agent at the time it sells. So we're going to help you have these conversations first. 
it's important that you review the facts of the subject property and the seller's situation. Point number one, do a new comparative market analysis. You know now that the house, I'm sorry, you know the house better now and you've had some feedback on it. So since you've been listed, there have been new sales, new pending sales, new active listings to compete with. Pretend it's a new listing. Where would you price it now? And consider the following, the absorption rate. That's how many homes like your subject property typically actually sell per month. Okay, so that is going to be something that they're not going to be familiar with yep. coming out of this past market. So it's what Julie just said, but even break it down even more. I had a call with someone in our EXP family, mm -hmm. and um, she had, uh, this was recently, she was selling luxury listings, and these were listings like, I think in her market, they're 1.2 to 1.4 million and they'd all, in her entire career of uh, less than 10 years, everything had already sold, always sold with multiple offers, barely time to put the, a sign in the yard and a list, the listing sure. would sell. Now it wasn't working like that. Now the local, local employer wasn't doing a lot of reload. Now the people weren't, you know, the whole thing, market slowed down. So she did not actually know how to go about doing price reductions, let alone having conversations with the sellers, all of which, if I remember correctly, these sellers were her own past clients. So I explained to her how to take an analytical approach so that they can get have the sellers can have the facts. So it's less about emotion, more about facts. Absorption is one of the best ways of going about doing it. So absorption is essentially how many houses are for sale in that particular price range and how many of those homes have sold in the past, say, 30, 60, 90, 120 days. How long has it, again, this is a CMA, but it's looking back. And the absorption is how many homes in that particular range, similar to that property, age, condition, location, will the market absorb, uh, absorb per, per uh, month? So what we did is we found out that say, I don't remember the exact math, but I actually helped her do this on the call. Between a million and I think it was a million five, she found out that the market last in the previous like 90 days has consistently been selling like three of those houses, mm -hmm. right? Three per month. And there were, uh, and there were all, and they were in that whole price range. It could have been a million. It could have been a million and a half. It wasn't just because they were cheaper. So it wasn't necessarily price. Sure. But then we looked to see how many houses that were currently for sale. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, there's only, I do remember this. There's only 10 houses for sale. I said, well, are you telling me that when someone's thinking about your neighborhood or this neighborhood where these listings are, they're not also thinking about a competing list, a neighborhood and or maybe two or three competing neighborhoods? And she said, well, there is one that we always get compared to. Okay, so let's throw those into the mix. How many now do we have that were that are also essentially for sale that are similar between a million and a million and a half? Now, now there's 20, all right? So last month, according to the MLS, in all of this overall geographic area, taking consideration these two neighborhoods, you had three listings that sold. Three listings that sold, and uh, and that left 17 still for sale. Okay, I, yes, that's those are the facts. So based on the idea that there'll be three homes selling consistently per month, assuming there's no new listings that come for sale, Mrs. Seller, you guys following me here? Assuming nothing new comes for sale, and and your your house has great location, great condition, and based on the price, it's going. You know things are selling in this price range, but you're going. It's going to take. You, it's three homes are going to sell per month. There's 17 homes for sale. You do the math. How many times does three go into 17? Uh, well, you had to use odd numbers, didn't you? Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have well, done that. Well, if I, it was three out of 10, it'd be 30%. Five months, six so months. Six months. Six months, six right. Months. So six months. And that's assuming no new homes come for sale. And that's also assuming no new construction is also for sale. So in this market, based on the facts, using the absorption of how many homes as similar to yours, Mrs. Seller, the market's able to absorb per month. We have right now at least a six-month supply of homes. Now, from there, agents, listeners, 
you're going to roll into some scripts and then we don't have time to do those on the podcast, but we teach you these in Premier Coaching. In essence, what you then explain to the seller is if you want to get to the front of the line. So there's a line to check out at the grocery store. Like, I don't know if you've ever been stuck in one of those, you know, super long lines at the grocery store. For some reason, all the registers are closed and there's only one line. And you want to get to the front of the line. You've ever had that experience before? That's kind of similar to the experience in the, you know, what you're feeling now, right, Mrs. Seller? You want to just check out. You want to get your house sold, get your proceeds checked, and you want to move on. Well, unlike standing in line at a grocery store, you can't, at a grocery store, can you imagine what happened if you just shoved your way to the front and <laughs> said, I want to check out next? I mean, that wouldn't work, right? But you can do that in real estate. And the way you can do that is by pricing the home so that it matches the buyer's expectations. Now, Mrs. Seller, there's three things in real estate uh, that cause a home to sell. Uh, price, condition, and location. Now, I have three questions for you. Are you planning on um, doing anything dramatic with the condition? Are you planning on you know, building a pool, adding a bedroom? Are you planning on doing it? No, you're not. So the condition is the condition. Okay, and fortunately for us, the location is good. People seem to like the location in the neighborhood, no busy roads, no airplane noise, nothing like that. So the only other thing that we can have a positive effect on is the price or more specifically how the market perceives the price in comparison to the competition. So you guys getting, are you following along with all of this? These are how you can intertwine facts, and I'm saying this obviously very quickly and you wouldn't do it this fast when talking right. to a seller because they're going to you know, shut down, but you want to you give them facts along with some you know, scripting so they can understand and some stories intertwined so they could, then can understand why the home hasn't sold. If you're not able to move past their emotional state of wanting to latch on to what was, just like many of you are in that state, like a year or two ago, this house would have sold with 20 competing mm -hmm. offers. If you can't move off that dead center, you're going to have that listing expire on you. And that past client center of influence seller, uh, every time you see them for the rest of your life is going to feel awkward because you failed. And why did you fail to sell their listing? Because you did not know what to say and how to help them understand. And it wasn't their fault. It was yours. That's right. And you know what's very interesting as I hear you go through that script that we used many times <laughs> um, is that what's going on in my coach's brain is this. There's a big difference between scripts written and used by experienced real estate professionals like us and our coaches versus what you might be getting from your office manager or you know somebody that hasn't sold that much, they would say, it's time to lower the price. The sellers just love that language, don't they? Slice it, cut well, it. Well, that'll, that'll get you fired. The first time yeah. you say to a seller, especially right now because they're all in a, a tender emotional state, yes. first time you say to a seller, lower your price, they might not fire you then, but you have, I promise you, been emotionally fired. Yeah. They're going to stop being, um, you know, you're not buddies anymore. You're not buddies anymore. That you're you're gonna have a lot of Humpty Dumpty to put back together. Yes, that's right. And so, just to point out to our listeners, because they might not have zeroed in on this, one of the reasons why the scripts that we teach in Premier work is because of what you just demonstrated. You didn't even do the full script, and you went pretty fast. You were doing an analogy to standing in line at the grocery store. Why does that work? Because you're no longer talking about the seller's house and their emotional investment and raising their kids there and the price that they're not going to get. You're taking them out of that situation and you're putting them into something that everybody can relate to standing in line at the grocery store. That's a different type of scripting that's more effective and more advanced and based on 
you know, knowing that sellers can be emotional and us as your coaches or your future coaches, we don't want you to get fired. We don't want you to have it expire. We want you to make it to the finish line. You're motivating me to do another script. I know it's not part of your script. <laughs> it's I, okay. We can I modify. Do it. Well, it's because guys, when Julie and I sold real estate, we sold between 100 and 200 homes per year. Um, and, but really where we've really learned our scripts, frankly, is the hundreds of thousands of coaching calls we've done. And that's not including what our coaches have done. That's where you get really good at scripting, frankly, not necessarily talking with sellers because how frequently, even if you're a very productive agent, do you have an opportunity to use a script, uh, with the seller? You know, hopefully not too much because you priced it right in the first place. Certainly more these days though. But, but when you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of coaching clients or thousands of coaching clients, they're all wanting to get price reductions. All right. So here's another script for you. And I'm going to go back to Julie's uh, example of going to the grocery store. So, Mr. Seller, I want you to imagine you have actually, it was funny. I used to use this. I used to, I'll tell the story exactly how I used to tell it, how I teach it to coaching clients. So, Mr. Seller, uh, Julie and I were driving home uh, yesterday, and she said, We've got to get milk. We're missing milk. This is all made up, guys. This is, but just follow along here. It's all, you know, it's a story, but it also will. Uh, make it so everyone can understand. So, so of course, we pull up to uh, a local Costco, right? And where's the cooler for the milk in a Costco? It is at least four or five miles back from the front miles of the door. Back, yeah. Right. So, so she needs this milk to make something for, you know, Zoe's, uh, you know, they're having a bake sale or something. She needs milk. Costco's there. We're parked in front of the Costco. She throws me out of the car. Now I'm supposed to, you know, somehow take the sojourn to the back of this Costco. <laughs> so I finally make it past. I don't know if you guys are in a Costco. Again, I'm telling a story, right? I'm trying to emotionally pull that seller in. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a Costco when it's really, really busy, where essentially it's like an old 1980s video game where you're just, what, Pac-Man Pac or Frogger, mm -hmm. where you're trying to make it past all these people that are really not paying attention. They're all dazed and confused with their massive grocery carts full of, you know, all this junk they're getting from Costco. I mean, good junk mostly, but you guys get the idea. So finally, with all my limbs and appendages, I make it to the back of the Costco, and there is this massive cooler. But it's horrible. You guys have all seen this cooler before. It's got this plastic fluttering shower door kind of thing, and you walk in, and then it's at least, like, you know, it's got to be no uh, warmer than 20 degrees in there. For sure. All right, so that's a scenario. That's a little journey that Julie sent me on. So now I'm standing in this cooler, and of course, I'm in, you know, I live in Puerto Rico, so I'm in shirts and a T-shirt, standing in this cooler, freezing my you-know-what's off, looking for flipping milk. Okay, and you're really motivated to get that milk. I want to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Not just because I'm freezing and I can't feel my fingertips, but I want to get out of that Costco. The whole experience uh, has a, a heightened sense of urgency, like very few things in life. All of you listening can relate. All right. So now I'm looking at the milk at the in, in the in the cooler and I notice that there is, guess what, 10 different varieties of milk. Oh, joy me. Now you got I have... cashew milk. You got oat milk. You've got coconut milk. And you've got almond milk. And then you've got normal milk. Goat milk. Trinosaurus Rex milk. I mean, God knows what. I mean, who the hell Whatever drinks all this stuff? Whatever else they've come up with. Exactly. 14, to... oh, there's organic milk. What milk that comes from a cow is not organic. All right, there's and far... they're all different prices, too. Okay, so I'm looking at all of this. And, and look, here's what's different. The labels are different. The bottle shape is different. The um, expiration dates are all basically the same. So I'm looking at all, and all the, the, the quantity of milk is all basically the same. There's the milk in the plastic container like all of us grew up on. And then there's that fancy ass pretty milk that's on the other side in the glass container that's shaped like some sort of cow, right? All right, so I'm trying to decide which ones I'm gonna get. They're all the same quantity of milk. They're all basically the same price. They all have basically the same expiration dates. But here's what's happened. 
Fortunately, the lovely souls at Costco have all, and they don't do this, by the way, but just for the sake of the story, they positioned the milk in this wretched cooler so that it goes from least expensive to most expensive. Now, I didn't say all those milk bottles were the same. They were all different. I mean, I guarantee you Zoe and Julie would have liked the pretty glass milk-shaped milk bottle, yeah. Okay, but I'm there <laughs> to get out, and I want to essentially spend the least amount of money. They're all the same. They all accomplish the same goal. They all have the same you know, benefits. Uh, and they're all the same quantity. So they're it, it, essentially, they're, in, they're fungible. They're, in, they're interchangeable with each other. But this first one is the least expensive. Which one, dear listener, are you grabbing? Now, if you're like Julie, you're going to grab the gla glass one and pay 10 times the price. I know you are. But let's just say you're like me and you're going to grab true or false. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Especially if Zoe's with you. Yeah. And she's going to get uh, not one, but two, because after sure. all, the cows have to have friends. Okay, <laughs> right. so so I'm going to grab the least expensive one, and then I'm going to get it out of that store as fast as possible. So Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, that is the exact same thing that's happening in the market right now. I know that your house is different, and then I agree with you in many ways better than the other gallons of milk that are in that cooler. But at the end of the day, they're interchangeable with each other. They're all four bedrooms. They're all two and a half baths. Almost all of them have pools. All of them have great lots. All of them were built 10 years ago. All of them have floor plans that are very similar. They're all built by you know two different builders, but basically building the same types of homes. You have an issue where someone is trying to make a decision between one or the other. And Mr. Seller, nine times out of 10, if someone's trying to choose between one thing and several other things, and they're all interchangeable, they're going to choose the thing that's the least expensive, just like I did. And Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, just like you did when you're standing there in the cooler next to me, you're grabbing the least expensive one and you're getting the hell out of that store as fast as you possibly can. That's how you get to the front of the line. And that's how you get to the front of the line. That's how you sell your gallon of milk. That's how you actually get it out of the store the quickest. That's how you explain absorption. That was all point number one. Yes. Okay. Point number two, review the seller's motivation. Why are they moving? Are they a have to move seller or just a want to move seller or have to move versus want to move? Where are they going when it sells? Have they already moved out? Remember their motivation may have changed since you first listed the home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. So note to self, if they are buying with you and they don't have a good feel for where they're going to be moving yet, that could be the issue. Why would they give you a better price if they don't know where they're going to move to? Excuse me. All right. <clears throat> Solution. Take them out for a long afternoon or even a full day to actually see what their options are for moving to. They need to fall in love with what's next so they can let go of what's current. Another secret. Sometimes new construction is the answer. Be sure you know what's being built where and at which price points. Learn the builder incentives. This may require you to go out for a day and investigate the options before you take your seller slash buyer out with you. Now, depending on your sellers, you can have a Sorry. drink water. Depending on your seller's motivation, you might actually be get, uh, get them to be willing to move to, this is hard, especially with upper end sellers. I do understand, but you might get them to live in something temporarily and rent something. Um, you know, that's my, that might be a viable option to get them to put their house for sale without actually locating something new. But if you want to have a motivated seller, ultimately they have to have something to be looking forward to. Um, you know, and to Julie's point, new construction is always the easy button. So make sure you're really exploring new construction options in your marketplace. It does not have to be a big builder. You, Julie and I, when we sold real estate and all of our top coaching clients, they have found, you know, a handful of small to medium sized builders that can build on your lot. So now you're not selling this buyer, uh, a house or a resale house. You're now helping them find a lot. And then you're going to introduce them to the two builders and they're going to decide which path they want to go down. And that might 
might mean that you're not going to earn any commission on those sales of the purchases for many, many months. And that's fine. You're going to get the listing sold. They're going to move to something temporary. That's how they're going to free up the cash to do the new construction. Yes. And that will also sort out how motivated they actually are if they want to do that. Okay. Next point is keeping the home an option for the seller. Might they keep it and lease it? Here's a note to self. Always say yes yourself to leasing it for them. You also might advertise it for lease and sale at the same time and decide what to do based on what happens first. Now, here's a secret to this. Once you actually discuss the reality of them being a landlord, the amount it will probably lease for and what their net will be, they may change their mind about leasing it. So know how to research lease pricing if you don't already know how to do that because they have to make a good decision based on real numbers, right? Julie's point is don't, when someone at, you want to walk into a seller's house in this market and you want to give them essentially a ton of options. So leasing might be an option. You could say, for example, Mr. Seller, let's just say it's a listing that you know is going to be tough to sell. Mr. Seller, we have several options here. Option one is we, you know, retail the house. I put it for sale. We do, we take a, a, my proven traditional path to getting homes sold. If that doesn't work or simultaneously, Simultaneously, we can also be looking for someone to lease it. And then I got great news for you because I'm an EXP Realty agent. I actually have a program called Express Offers, and I can actually right now get an offer on your property uh, so that you could purchase, uh, have this house pre-sold to an investor. So if option A or option B doesn't work, we always have option C as our ace in the hole. These are the types of ways that you approach a market like this. You can't just walk into a seller's house and just say, I'm just a listing agent. If you want any other services out of me, uh, you know, buena suerte. By the way, a lot of you, all of you should be ready to upgrade your brokerage experience. Julie and I would love the opportunity to discuss with you why hundreds of agents are joining with Julie and I on a regular every single month to join our EXP Realty Group. And if that's something of interest to you, which it should be, there's two paths forward. Scroll down and along with the notes from today's show are going to be links for you to click to then find out more about our EXP Realty group called Libertas. For those of you who are ready to join EXP Realty, you're looking to land the plane and you want to you know, align yourselves with us and be partners with us at EXP Realty, we'd love the opportunity to do so. You can text me directly at 512-758-0206. Again, your links are below along with our show notes from today. All right, point number four, and I will fix that little part there. Point number four, set up the reality tour, real estate reality tour for yourself and your seller. Now, Here's how that works. Do your research first so you know what you're going to show and how it impacts the subject property. Again, we're shooting for a better price. Then you actually take your seller or sellers out on a showing trip where you're going to see what they're competing against as well as what's currently pending. Don't overcoach them. Show the properties and ask them what their thoughts are. One of our coaching clients just did this to make the point that their subject property was actually competing against new construction. Their subject property was 30 years old, needed a new kitchen, needed a new bath, and was priced like the new construction. Of course, they're going to lose versus the new construction, but it's not enough for some sellers to just say that. It's much more impactful to take them there and show them. You don't even have to say, do you see how everything is new here? They will figure that out on their own. The problem is, is oftentimes the sellers aren't objective. So they right. see their house the way they originally spec'd it 15 years ago. 
and they don't realize it's out of date or neat has condition issues. So in addition to what Julie said, the other nice thing to do, and you know everyone does this anyway, so you might as well make the most of it to help the seller price the house correctly, is actually have, you know, home cameras and speakers and, and you know, microphones set up so they can actually hear real life feedback from the buyers as they're going through the house so they can actually know, the sellers will know what the uh, potential buyers and their agents actually think of the property. That's where you're going to get raw, unfiltered, uh, you know, feedback on a listing, which will then put you in a position to be able to get that seller to position the house correctly so that it does truly reflect the buyer's expectations, aka lower the price. That's right. You know, there used to be a, a Canadian HGTV type reality show that did that. They set up those cameras and, and it was interesting to see the, the sellers hearing, you know, a buyer actually saying, oh my gosh, I can't deal with this dark colored woodwork. It's different hearing it from them than hearing it from your listing agent who they may perceive, well, you just want me to get the price. You well, know? I mean, I'm not objective about the home we live in. I mean, me I'm neither. sure, I'm sure, <laughs> well, I'm not, but I'm sure people that walk into will say, yeah, our place was built in 1993. So I'm sure people walk in and don't like the dark mahogany woodwork that's here and there. I mean, it is what it is. I get it. Exactly. You know, um, but it's also fascinating too, uh, if you're dealing in different price ranges, mm -hmm. the expectations for finishes um, specifically cabinet colors and flooring and appliances. Mm -hmm. All of you should know this, but if, in case you don't, the diff the expectations are radically different. So obviously upper end people are going to expect things to be new and modern. But here's the fascinating thing. If you go to a market like Austin, say, they do expect things to be new and modern, but the buyers have been conditioned to be a lot more tolerant to things that are essentially maybe functionally obsolete because of the fact that if they want to live, live close to downtown, they're going to have to live with a house that was originally designed in the 50s. Yeah, or even older than that. There, there will be some compromises, but you've you know grown into figuring that out. Okay, so we are on point number five. Discuss with the seller that, this is something they often will say to you, taking it off the market and trying it again next quarter, next year, next season is not always the best plan. When do they have the most competition? Usually it's going to be in the spring. Many tough-to-sell listings will sell fourth quarter or first quarter when there's simply less competition. Remember that relocating executives typically move more during fourth quarter and first quarter. But that's a scripting thing, right? So Mr. Seller, help me understand why you think holding the house off the market mm -hmm. for six months is an advantage to you. Help me to understand. And then you're going to hear a bunch of gobbledygook that's going to come out of their mouths that hasn't really thought through. Oh, I just thought, or I read, or somebody told me. Well, there's some more information on the seller. So, Mr. Seller, let me ask you a question. Do you think interest rates are going to go up or they're going to go down? Mr. Seller, do you think there's going to be more homes for sale or less homes for sale? Does that sound like the type of environment where we want to be putting the house back for sale? By the way, you told me that you wanted to have the house sold within eight months because of the fact that you guys wanted to move down to Florida. Have your plans changed? So what you're going to do, and this is just a smidge of it, is you're going to go into a um, essentially coaching the seller. That's really what you're going to do. Through a series of questions, you're going to coach the seller and help them to essentially rediscover why they put the house for sale in the first place. Okay, now that's another important scripting difference. You're making it all about the seller, the seller's needs, the seller's motivation, why they told you you've got to get the house sold. You're not making it about the agent in any way. You're going right back to their motivation, which is why it's important that you know and that you revisit their motivation. But Julie, even worse, there's a lot of agents, especially around the holidays, or they just do it different times of year, where they tell the seller to take the house off I the know, market. I know, I uh, know. You don't Fringe. have to, you don't, yeah, don't tell your story. But I mean, there, there have been examples where, and it happens again, especially over, you know, let's say, for example, from the end of October through maybe beginning of whatever spring is defined as in your market. And some 
market spring is in January. Where we're from, it's more like May. But the moral of the story is a lot of sellers are, are being given bad information that you mm -hmm. only want to have your house for sale in the spring. Well, Julie just touched on it. The best time in many markets, especially with more expensive stuff where there's reload, to have a house for sale is during fourth quarter and first quarter. Because that's when all your super motivated executives roll into town that, generally speaking, have fat relocation deals. Who will, who will absolutely buy in one weekend. And who aren't that, generally speaking, they're a little bit less picky because they know when they put the house for sale again in two or three years that they're going to be able to sell it through yeah. the relocation company and it's not their problem. They're just passing through. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next point is number six. Ask if their plan is to just relist it with somebody new. This is something that comes up when it's about to expire on you. What is the first thing a new agent's going to ask them to do? They're going to ask for a new price, of course. But why lose valuable marketing time with a, with restaging new photos, new videos, new media, when you can do this for them now? But it is worth mentioning, Julie, not every time when you have, since you're touching on an expired seller because you mm -hmm. said price, yep. not every time is price the problem. That is true. Yeah. And there's a great script. We have a lot of great scripts we teach you in Premier Coaching. But this is one of the conversations that you're going to have to have with a lot of these sellers because I'll say it again, not every time, most of the time, but not every time is price actually the issue with why the house didn't sell. There are so many other reasons why it couldn't have sold. And so this is what you say to the seller, Mr. Seller, I've got great news for you. Sometimes the best homes don't sell and not for the reason you probably have been told. Boom. You don't think that seller is going to love you for saying that because they're so sick of the other agents uh, telling them that it's all about price, 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 mm -hmm. right? It maybe was because the seller was fussy with allowing showings, or it was maybe because at the time the house was for sale, the originally, or for the first like three or four months, there was a lot of competition that's not there now. Maybe it's just because the pictures are terrible, the description is terrible, the seller, you know, all these things. Or some of those things combined, you know, could all be happening at the same time. I would have them refer to our podcast we did about this, I think it was called uh, Eight Expired Secrets, and it plays right into that script where it's maybe not for the reasons that you think it expired. It could have been all those things you rattled off. Right. And, you know, if that's if your go to because you're, you know, using some inexperienced real estate trainer is price, price, price. Well, you're not going to get the listing because you have no bedside manner. You have no je ne sais quoi. You've not learned to Dr. Phil sellers, as we're mm -hmm. fond of saying. Those yeah. of you who remember Dr. Phil, right? You have to be a bit of a psychologist. Uh, a human behaviorist uh, combined with the salesperson all at the same time in a market like this, because you've got to move them and frankly move yourself uh, into the new reality, but you've got to do it with love, respect, and a lot of, frankly, uh, I mean, all the things, right? All it's, the things. All the things, you, but you've got to do it uh, and urgently. And here's the best part. There really aren't that many scripts that you're going to have to learn. Like when you're coming to um, dealing with, say, sellers about repositioning their house on the market. Wait, 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 wait. You're previewing point number seven. Oh, am I? Sorry. Review and use the NAR price reduction script. According to NAR, if after two weeks or 10 showings, you don't have a workable offer, you are missing the market regarding price. And it's time to reposition the property to more accurately reflect the expectations of the buyers who are currently looking. Okay, so let me talk about that. That is something that you want to tell the seller about. When you list your house with uh, uh, with uh when someone lists their home with you and you're a Tim and Julie Harris Premier Coaching client, whether you're in Premier Coaching or any of the one-on-one programs, we're going to teach you how to obviously generate the lead, pre-qualify the lead, present to win the listing, negotiate and close. But the other thing we're going to give you is that you're going to have a great pre-listing pack. Now, the pre-listing pack is essentially your silent salesperson that's going to sell the seller in order to win the list with you. When you see this pre-listing pack, you will not believe how effective it is. It'll make you giddy with excitement because you'll be so excited to go out and use it. I, that is always the reaction that our mm -hmm. coaching clients have. 
So after you take the listing, which you will, you're then going to give the seller a complete home selling guide. The complete home selling guide is going to be their go-to manual when it comes to knowing what to do to get the home sold. And in the manual are going to be what the expectations are of you, of them, and them of you, and what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. They're going to be able to flip to this manual uh, how to work with you selling the, uh, their listing at any time. A lot of it has to do with repositioning the house in the market with regards to, obviously, the price. And so that's going to be something that they can prepare themselves for. When you take the listing, dear listeners, when they sign the listing contract, you give them the book and you flip to that section and then you point out to that, them, okay, this is what we're looking for. There's milestones in the listing process. This is after you've priced it, after you've got the listing contract signed, after you've got all the agency stuff signed, after you've done the net sheet, then you give them the book and then you, they again, you might not need to do any repositioning of the house in the market. It might be positioned correctly. You might have priced it perfectly. Everything might be all you know green lights for you. That's great. But you're going to want to essentially lay the groundwork for that uncomfortable potential future conversation with that seller by have, by educating them about essentially what to expect and when to expect it. Mr. Seller, after two weeks or 10 showings. Now, you might want to adjust that, but don't go past 30 days. If you're dealing with expensive listings, don't go past 30 days. That's the temptation. But the general rule is after two weeks or 10 showings, if we don't have a written verified offer on the property, we're going to reposition the house on the market so that it correctly reflects the market's expectations, right? These are the scripts and the techniques you need to learn if you really want to be a top agent in this market. Yes, and all those things that you learn now will make you such a stronger agent going forward. You will thank past fill-in-the-blank with your name. Okay. Point number eight, when you get when, not if, when you get your price adjustment, also get an extension to your listing agreement at the same time. It's easier to do all of that document signing at once rather than having to do a second tough conversation. So do it at the same time. Next point is number nine, correct all negative feedback. Now, you may need to assist your homeowner in actually getting this done. So find service providers or use your favorite service providers you've already got who agree maybe to be paid out of proceeds if that's necessary at closing if the seller can't afford the repairs. Otherwise, reduce the price to reflect the condition. This is actually usually lower than you think. It, it, I'm sorry, that should say easier than you think. But you have to help them correct negative feedback. This is something that's really common with expireds. They'll say, I kept hearing thus and such, but I didn't know what to do about it, or I couldn't afford it, or I didn't know anybody. So it ended up expiring and costing them money. So make sure you get that edit and then yes. renumber. Okay, but here's the thing. Price adjustment, get an extension, listing agreement at the same time. That's really critical. This is Julie's previous point. Yeah. So when you're, now how do you sell that to a seller? Uh, you just sell it to the seller by explaining to them, this is what happens when you get a price adjustment. Don't go in there like you're having to beg for an extension on the listing. Well, we just adjusted right. the price. We're repositioning on the market. So now we're going to relaunch all the marketing, which means we're naturally going to extend the listing to, uh, to reflect essentially the fact that we're having a fresh start. Be, it's like, be normal about it. Don't be weird about it. Yeah. You guys are worried about the seller. You think that some sellers, yes, but very few sellers have written in their little calendars when your listing's expiring. Okay. But when you get a right, when you reposition the house on the market, maybe you take some fresh list or fresh pictures. Maybe you update... Um, you know, the description, whatever. Mr. Seller, we're hitting hard reset because we've just repositioned the house in the market. Now let's go ahead and extend the listing. Do this as a natural organic byproduct of a new price. 
That's right. And our final point with some uh, help at the end right after that, point number 10, share what your new marketing plan is with your seller once the price has been improved and the listing has been extended. Also share any negative feedback that's getting remedied. They are absolutely expecting this from you. Just because you got the price better does not mean that they don't still have the what have you done for me lately mindset. So this is real estate training. We've just glazed the surface, the very, very top of the surface of what you get with Premier Coaching. So your homework as from this podcast and every podcast is to join Premier Coaching. Scroll down, get all of Julie's links. I'm looking at a gob of other things that we're not going to get to because we're over a half hour. Mm -hmm. uh, scroll down, uh, grab Julie's notes. These are going to be very powerful things for you when it comes to you being an absolute dominant listing agent in your marketplace. While you're there, join Premier Coaching. It costs you nothing, or you can just go to premiercoaching.com. Again, the notes are ready and waiting for you. Please do use these. Guys, we are extra excited and extra motivated because the market is shifting. And we're seeing new agents being crowned the king and queens of their local markets. It's your turn. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to earn it through your ability to help people. And the ability to help people comes from your skill set, knowing what to say and how to say it, managing your own mindset, managing your own emotions, and then helping the sellers push through with many of them. It's going to be a very stressful time. When you operate at a high level in a marketplace like this, the downstream benefits that will last you decades. Hey, here's an example. Julie and I are living that now. And so will yeah. you. Downstream benefits of doing a really phenomenal job for your sellers. It's going to make you incredibly powerful. You're going to you know, elevate yourself to the highest stage of uh, mastery where you're consciously uh, competent, where whatever comes out of your mouth, you're masterful. You're saying the right things, doing the right things. When you're operating at that level, guys, the world shifts. Get there as fast as possible. Thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast. For real estate professionals in at least the United States, have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.